0: joining us here at New Song Church, where we are helping people to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you ever have any questions or you want to learn more about us as a church, you can check us out online at newsongplymouth.church. It's the best way to stay connected with us throughout your week. And now, check out this week's sermon.
1: Are you ready to study the Word of God, yes or no? Okay, we're in this YOLO series, this You Only Live Once... And with that in mind, you want to live the right way. So last, last week, we talked about uh, living under stress. Nobody wants to live under stress. Um, and so we dealt with that. Today, uh, we're talking about slavery. And then next week, we're going to talk about shame. Um, so today, slavery, it's um, uh, really what we're talking about is addictions. We're talking about things that you don't want to do, but you keep on doing. Things that you don't want to do, but you just keep on doing it. And we're going to address that in a very life-giving, biblical way and really some, some transformation is going to take place uh, this, no, th- this morning. No, no doubt about that at all. When you came in, you, you should have been handled two uh, handouts. One was the sermon notes, and another one just said freedom declarations. Did everybody get that on, on your way in, or most of you did? It will have extra. If you didn't get it, you can get it on the way out. The freedom declarations, just put aside for right now. We're not going to look at that just yet, and we're going to go straight into the message and starting in, in the book of Romans, um, uh, really when you talk about addictions, this is one of the most prominent scriptures that we have in the Bible, Romans chapter 7, verse 21. So I find this law at work, although I want to do good, evil is, is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner, making me a slave of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we'll say it this way, everybody. Let's, 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 let's take that portion of scripture and just paraphrase it um, today here in this moment. And it's saying this that, hey, I've come to Christ, I've surrendered my life to Christ, but there are still some things in my life that I don't like. And I know that God doesn't like, like there's things that I definitely want to do that I'm not doing. And there's some other things that I don't want to do. And those are the things that I keep on doing. And I'm going nuts here. Like, I'm just, I'm just going crazy with this. I'm doing things that I don't want to do. And I'm not doing things that I do want to do. Who's going to deliver me from this? And there's only one answer. It is Jesus Christ, our Lord. And that's, that's who we're talking about today. That's who I'm going to point everybody to today is Jesus. And you'll see how that's going to happen at the very end of this, that Jesus Christ really is Deliverer, capital, capital D. Now, odds are, no matter how big or how small, uh, you have some things in your life that are happening that you don't want to happen. And probably there are some things in your life that you do want to happen that aren't happening. So, so I've, never met, I've never met a person where I've went to them and said, hey, how's your prayer life? Do, do you think you pray enough? I've never had somebody say, Actu- actually, I pray more than enough. Like, I'm really good in that area. I've, I've never had that happen, not one time. In fact, when you challenge people in prayer, it's like, it's like everybody raises their hand and says, yes, I need to pray more. If you challenge somebody about the Bible, do you read enough Scripture uh, that, that you're content with that. I've never had somebody say, well, ab- a- actually, yes, I pretty much read the Bible all day long. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty good with that. Now, I, I um, so, so for those that even read the Bible for, uh, I mean, chapters and chapters and chapters a day, or maybe even an hour, or two, three hours a day, I promise you they still want to read it more. Like my dad reads the Bible all the time. And if you say, Dad, do you read the Bible enough? He would tell you, no. I'd like to read it even more, and I'm like, Dad, I don't know anybody in the world that reads it as much as you do, you know? Like, and my dad has three by five cards all over his house because he takes notes all the time, and if it's a, if it's just an idea, of something he catches, he just writes it on a three by five card, and they're just everywhere. And you would think that it's just, uh, you would think that he he's lost track of them all, that he doesn't keep that he doesn't know where it all is. But I'm telling you, if you move one of those three by five cards and put it in another location, he's like, hey, where, where's that card? Where's that card? Because I had something written on that that I wanted to remember later and I can't remember it if I don't have the card. And he exactly—he doesn't know what it says, but he knows exactly where it is. How many know what I'm talking about? Like I put that reminder, I know where that reminder is, but I forgot what I was supposed to be reminded of. So uh, my dad studies it all the time, but if you would ask him, do you study it enough? He would probably tell you no. Like he would want to do it more So there are certainly some things in our life that we're not doing or not doing enough that we want to do more, and there are other areas of our life that we keep doing, and we hate the fact that we keep doing them. Those are addictions, oftentimes sinful addictions in our life. And I'm going to help you out today. I'm going to help you out today. In fact, let me say it like this. God is going to help you out today. We find a story in Scripture that actually God was trying to help somebody in Scripture, and it was a, it was a man by the name of Cain. And this is found in Genesis chapter 4, and we're going to read this one verse here in a second, but let me give you the backdrop. So Cain and Abel were the sons of Adam and Eve. And remember, Cain and Abel brought there, in Genesis 4, they brought these sacrifices to the Lord to honor him and worship him, and Abel's was accepted by the Lord, but uh, but Cain's wasn't accepted at all. Like, in fact, there was something wrong, not with the sacrifice, but with Cain's heart. And it came across in the sacrifice, and God knew that Cain's heart wasn't right. And he said this to Cain. This is Genesis chapter 4, verse 7. Cain, if you do what's right, the Lord says, will you not be accepted? Like, why, why are you mad that I didn't accept the offering? You know that something was wrong in your heart. You know that you didn't have the best motive. You know that you're withholding something from me. If you do what's right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door and it desires to have you, but you must rule over it. Sin is crouching at your door. That that word, write this down, in the Hebrew, the word is rabats. And you can either spell it R-A-B-A-T-S or R-A-W-B-A-T-S. Both ways are correct. It's robats. It, it means to crouch on all fours. Better, better said to brood or to lurk. So if you would, you know, it, it's the okay. So this would be um, robats. Would be if you go, if if you're weird enough to go to a like a, a haunted forest type of deal where people are ready to jump out at you and scare you. That's called raw bats. When they're they're lurking, when they're brooding, when they're ready just to pounce on you, and God is telling Cain, hey, sin is crouching at your door. It's ready to pounce on you. It's brooding. It's lurking. It's just waiting for the, the prime moment to jump on you. And Cain, of course, ignored God and his word because the next verses record the fact that Cain looked at Abel And they went out into the fields, and Cain saw his opportunity and actually murdered his brother. After God had just warned him, sin is crouching at the door, lurking, brooding, waiting for that opportunity. Cain didn't listen. And I guess what I want to tell you before we go any further is that you need to listen today. If you, have an op- if you have an addiction, if you have something that you keep doing and you don't want to do it anymore, today's a day for you to listen and to receive the word of the Lord. In fact, everybody, I-, I also want at some point to put you at ease today as well because what happens is a lot of times we come to Christ and we think that when we come to Christ, and, and we're, we're forgiven of our sins and we're made alive in Christ Jesus, that we think the sin is just going to fall off of us. Like, well, I gave my life to Jesus. Why do I have to keep dealing with this? Like, I gave my life to Jesus. How come these thoughts keep coming against me? How come I keep wanting to say these words? I keep wanting to look in that direction. I keep wanting to do this or to do that or to think this or to think that or to say this or to say that. Like, why doesn't God just rip those things out of me. And let me give you a great example in, in scripture that, that will give you a mental picture of what happens when we accept Christ. You remember, Jesus got word that Lazarus was dead. Remember that? And then and he waited a little while to go to Lazarus. And by the time he got there, Lazarus had been in the grave for how many days? Okay, you guys really need to read your Bible more. <laughs> There's this thing called the Bible, and you need to read it. Yeah, okay. So, so did, Jesus, did Jesus raise Lazarus on the third day? The answer is, no. What day was it? Oh, the fourth day. And, and by that time, remember the people are going around like, Jesus, hey, you can raise him life, But the dude stinks. Like, this is pretty bad. And Jesus, unaffected by that, calls out Lazarus. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And, and he did. And he came out of the tomb and he was fully alive on the inside. Fully alive. But what did the outside of him look like? He was still wrapped in what we would call death cloths, like death rags. They would take the body and they would take strips of linen and wrap the body with these strips of linen. And then, of course, they would try to put, you know, uh, uh, spices and scents on the body to prepare them for burial. So when Lazarus came out, he was fully alive, but he was still wrapped in the clothes of death. And when somebody comes to the Lord Jesus Christ and they surrender their life to Christ, they are made a, they are made new on the inside, but guess what they just came out of? They just came out of a very messy, sinful world and they're still on the outside going to reflect the mess that they've been in for a really, really long time. So, so some people come to Christ they're like, well, I gave my life to, to Jesus, but I keep cussing. I can't stop cussing. Well, first of all, you can. And to say that you can't is a lie. Because nothing is impossible with God. And he is a deliverer. And he can deliver you from that. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you understand how to be delivered from that today. But a lot of you come in, you're like, well, I just thought these things were going to fall off of me. Well, no, 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 no. It takes a little while. In fact, let me be really honest with you, it takes an entire lifetime for some things to be dealt with in your life. The, The word that we use, the big word in theology is called sanctification, that for the rest of our life, God is sanctifying us. He's making us more holy and more holy and more holy as we go through life and all of a sudden you'll realize hey i still got some issues in my life but i'm not the person i used to be how how many of you can honestly say that i got some stuff in my life but i'm not the person i used to be see see how that works and by the way the person you are now isn't who you're going to be in 5 years or 10 years or 20 years as you follow after christ like things over the course of your life they're just going to they're they're just going to fall off of you and so when lazarus comes out of the ground out of the grave People, no doubt, gathered around him because he couldn't do it himself, right? We're going to come back to that in a second. He had to have people help him remove all of the strips of linen around his body because he was fully alive on the inside, but he looked like death on the outside. Everybody see it? Okay, so when we come to Christ, that's the picture. We are made fully alive, but then we realize there's some things that, that I keep doing I don't want to do. And there's some things that I know I should do, but I'm not doing. And who's going to rescue me? Well, it's not Pastor Justin. It's not Newsom. It's actually Jesus. He's the one that rescues us. So if you're involved in this, write, write this down. Number one, the cycle of addiction is desire to action to consequences. And you'll see this over and over and over again in your life. There is a desire, a sinful desire that leads to an action, a sinful action, and then pain is involved or consequences are involved. And even if it's not public yet, you're still going to deal with condemnation and shame and guilt, and, and you're going to be hard on yourself. And why did I do that again? I said I would never do that again. And you're going to be discouraged. Those are, those are consequences too, okay? Okay. Now, sometimes there are bigger consequences, and all of that is to refine you, and God allows those things in our life because he wants us to be changed. Let let me say it like this. I I pray a prayer oftentimes, Lord, correct me in private so that I would never have to be corrected in public. That's a pretty smart prayer to pray. Like, God, I want to solve this in private because I never want to solve this in public. How many know there's been a lot of televangelists that had to solve some things in public that God was trying to solve with them in private for years and years and years, but it didn't happen. And then some things had to be solved in public. Well, will God, correct me in private <laughs> and allow me the grace of being responsive because I don't want to be corrected in public. I don't think there's anything wrong with a prayer like that. In fact, can I tell you something? It's actually a very humble prayer that says, Father, I, I, just want you, I just want to be open to your voice. I want to listen to your voice. And I want to obey you. Even if nobody's looking, I still want to be the man of God that I've always dreamed about being. And I'm, I'm at that place. I don't know if you're at that place yet, but I pray those prayers. God, even if nobody's looking, I still want to be the, the man of God that I've always dreamed about being. So help me today do that. Help me to listen to your voice. Help me to surrender to you. Those are great prayers. To pray. So the cycle of addiction is a desire to action to consequences. And we see this in James chapter 1. He actually just lays that, that principle out, that truth out. He says this, when tempted, no one should say, verse 13, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. There is no evil in God. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin or to action, you could say. And sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. Do you see the the cycle in there? We have desire, we have action or sin, and then we have consequences. Everybody see that? And no doubt you've seen that cycle in your life. You do something, you have a desire, you have a desire, and then you fulfill it, and then there's a consequence. And then you have another desire, you fulfill it, and then there's a consequence. That's just how it works. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be on that cycle. That's a cycle that I want to get off of. That, that's something that I don't want to be a part of. I, I, want, I want when I have desires to come, temptations to come, that I reject those temptations and say, no, Jesus is more important to me than anything. Like I, I want to reject those things and say, no, 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 I just love Jesus more then I love that, whatever that is, whatever that temptation is. Number two, write this down. It is short-term pleasure, then, that creates long-term pain. That's what sin is. That's what addiction is. It is short-term pleasure that creates long-term pain. And we know this to be true. If sin wasn't fun, we wouldn't do it. If sin wasn't fun, we wouldn't think about it. If sin wasn't fun, oftentimes we wouldn't plan it, would we? But it is pleasurable in the moment. And we forget in the moment about the long-term pain. Or we're so deceived that we say we can can be sinful in the moment, and then we deceive ourselves as if there's not going to be any long-term pain. Or if we really keep this in secret, we won't ever have to experience long-term pain. And we think it's only going to be held in the moment. But the Bible says very clearly that our sins find us out. I don't like that verse. Do you? I mean, I love it because it's the Word of God. But I don't like that verse. It's like if I had one of those magical Bible erasers, I might just take that one out. Because I don't want my sins to find me out. I don't want people to know... I don't want people to know... What I know about me, you, am I the only sinner in the room? Because you're acting like you're perfect today. Somebody better start giving me, see, you're scared to amen me because then you're thinking everybody's going to look at you. Oh, wow, yeah, we know about you. I'll, I'll be the honest one in the room. I'll be the honest one in the room. Okay. So it's short-term pleasure that creates long-term pain. I want to share with you a verse in Scripture because that short term pleasure, it makes sense in the moment because you've been deceived. You've been deceived that this is going to be pleasurable, that it makes sense, but actually, sin is a deception from the enemy, and it's a lie from the enemy that says you'll be happier if, life will be better if. And I'm going to show you a portion of Scripture that many people don't know or maybe never come across or never fully understood, but it's in Isaiah chapter 44, and I want you to think about that one thing that you constantly struggle with. What's the one thing that you constantly struggle with? And maybe you can think of five. That's fine. But I, I guarantee you for most people in this room, for most people in this room, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to highlight at least three. The, the, first of all, the one, the one that I know is most obvious is lust. Lust and you can you can label that however you want to if you want to say i'm addicted to pornography you can say that if you want to say i'm just i just i think bad thoughts all the time you can say however you want to say it we're just going to use the word lust and another one is the use of things like alcohol marijuana maybe heavier drugs i don't know but i know that there's and i and, and i so if if i should close my eyes when i say this okay I know that there are some people in this room that deal with that addiction. There. Now you can't say he was looking straight at me, all right? Pastor, you were looking right at me when you said that. You wouldn't believe how many times I hear that, okay? So I closed my eyes. I don't know who you are. But you do. You do. There's another one that's a little bit sneakier. That's a little bit sneakier. One of them, materialism. It, It can be a sinful addiction. Did you know that? And it keeps you from being generous in the things of God. And it keeps your eyes only on yourself, which is not how you're supposed to live. But boy, that's a sneaky one. Because nobody, nobody wants to, to, to uh, leave the room here today and say, wow, I am so materialistic. I am so vain. All I do is spend money on me. All, I'm always thinking about what I look like and and, and who I need to impress. I mean, most people don't have those thoughts, but I guarantee you it's an issue with people here in this room. Those, those are just three. I could keep going. Some, some are addicted to lying. You just lie all the time and you can't figure out why. It's probably pride. I, and again, I could just go on and on. The things that you keep doing that you don't want to do. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 44. So go with me there. Starting in verse 13, Isaiah 44 Starting in verse 13, the carpenter measures with a line and makes an outline with a marker and he roughs it out with his chisels and marks it with a compass. He shapes it in human form, human form in all of its glory, that it may dwell in a shrine. You're just like, well, that's just, that's just dumb. Yeah, but it's, it's going to get even worse. Ready? He cuts down cedars or perhaps took a cypress or oak. He let it grow among the trees of the forest or planted a pine and the rain made it grow. Let's stop right there. So so this guy actually invested in that wood. He actually invested in the trees. He planted them or at least he's watching them to make sure they're healthy and he's going out and harvesting them. Okay. Verse 15, it is used as fuel for burning. Some of it he takes and he warms himself. And you're thinking at this point, hey, that's good, thumbs up. That's what wood is used for. Like if you want to make a fire and warm yourself, I got no problem with that. And neither do I. And he kindles a fire and he bakes bread. And you're thinking, yeah, cooking, that's wonderful. Nothing wrong with that. Like nothing at all. And you're right, nothing wrong with it. But he also fashions a God and he worships it. And he makes an idol and he bows down to it. Half of the wood he burns in the fire. Good, 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 good. Thumbs up. Over it, he prepares his meal. Thumbs up. He roasts his meat and eats his fill. Thumbs up. He also warms himself and says, Oh, a warm fire. In fact, I see the fire. And to that, to those of us who, who love camping, One of our favorite things about camping is actually sitting around the fire at night. Who enjoys that? And who finds yourself just staring at the fire because it's so relaxing? You just find yourself like for 30 minutes, you realize, I've just been staring at this fire. Did you know that that happened in Bible days where he's saying, hey, listen, I'm so warm and I see the fire and we say, thumbs up, that's great stuff, From the rest, he makes a god, his idol. And we say, what? Out of wood? That's not what it's used for. Yeah, you can use it to warm yourself, and you can use it to cook, and you can even use it to relax, but to make an idol? Like, thumbs down. That's just stupid, right? He bows down to it and worships and he prays to it and says, save me, you are my God. And you're sitting here today reading that verse saying, that dude's an idiot because he had it right. But then he crossed a line and he became an idiot. He became a fool. Verse 18, they know nothing, they understand nothing, their eyes are plastered over so they cannot see and their minds closed so they cannot understand. And no one stops to think. No one has the knowledge or understanding to say, half of it I used for fuel, I even baked bread over its coals, I roasted meat and I ate. Shall I make a detestable thing from what is left? Shall I bow down to a block of wood? Like they're not even thinking those thoughts. Like they, let me say it like this, they crossed a line and don't even realize they crossed the line. They took something that's wonderful and they perverted it and they don't even realize that they perverted it. Such a person feeds on ashes, a deluded heart misleads him. He cannot save himself or say, is not this thing in my right hand a lie? Like, well, okay, what does this have to do with addictions? Everything. It has everything to do with it. Let's think about this. I'm going to pick one topic that, that either, either is or will affect us all. And it's a three-letter word. It starts with an S and ends with X. And it's beautiful. In fact, created by God. Sex was created by God, and it was meant to be pleasurable between a husband and a wife. In the marriage bed, it's meant to be a wonderful, beautiful, God-designed moment. Like God looks at that and says, it's wonderful, look, this husband and wife, when they come together and they become one, they, they are married, and then they consummate that relationship in the marriage bed. God looks at that and says, That is beautiful. That's wonderful. That's I want I want you two to enjoy this for the rest of your days as you live life together as a, as a husband and wife. And by the way, not only is it beautiful in that moment, and not only is it pleasurable, but it has the ability to to, to, to create. Little ones to create our children to which we love the vast majority of our days, but not every day, but most days right? no, no, we love them all, all all day, no doubt about that but but think about that that moment between you and your spouse, between my 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 wife and I, we were. We were not only given the benefit of sex for the rest of our days as a husband and wife, but it also gave us the ability to have children, to which has brought so much joy to our lives. Like, I wouldn't trade my children for anything. I, I mean, I wouldn't trade my children for anything. How many like me? You, like, you are glad you had, you parents better get your hands up, especially if your kids are sitting right next to you. Put your hands up, all right? And in fact, can I, can I tell you something? I, you know I have an adopted daughter that she she, she biologically is not mine. And, and there is a part of me that my heart breaks because her parents don't get to experience the joy of having her, but I do. So I get to enjoy, I get to enjoy, you know, the Bible says that that all children are a blessing from the Lord. Did you know that? So I get to enjoy, my daughter, I get to enjoy somebody else's blessing. Isn't that cool? How I many know I'm a blessed man. I'm blessed with my, with my daughter. I'm blessed with all of my children. And what do we do, though? What do we do with sex? We take it, and it's beautiful, and it's designed by God, and we know it's supposed to be between a husband and a wife, And we know that the benefit, too, is that we have the ability to procreate. We have the ability to have children together, and that is a beautiful thing. And we take this wonderful, God-given gift, and we cross a line. And we take it to places where it's not supposed to go. And we do things with it that we're not supposed to do. See? Wood makes us warm. And, and it helps us cook things. And we say, thumbs up, that's good use. And we can even look at it and relax and we say, Wow, that's wonderful. Good use. But then we make an idol out of it. And you'd say, Well, what an idiot. What a dummy. But haven't we done that too? Let me go any fur- let me go even a little bit further. Haven't you at some point done that too? Have you ever had a sinful, lustful thought? Have you ever thought of somebody in a way that you shouldn't have? Have you ever looked at something that you shouldn't have? Have you ever, have you ever gave into the temptation of looking at another person in a, in a very lustful way, even though they were not your husband or your wife? And the vast majority of us in, in this room says, yes, I have. I've done that. And you took God's design, and you just went too far. Such a person feeds on ashes, deluded heart misleads him. He cannot save himself. He can't save himself. Is is not this thing in my right hand a lie? Let let me ask you, let me ask you. I want to ask you something. The thing that you're looking at on the internet Or on your smartphone, the lustful things—is that not a lie? The addiction that you have to alcohol or marijuana or drugs—is that not a lie? Because you think you're going to be so fulfilled, you think it's going to be wonderful. You've convinced yourself that that's how you're going to be happy, but really, is it? Is it producing joy in you? And you know it's not. Have you believed a lie? materialism, you're just going after the things of this world, and I'll be happy as long as if I have this, and if I have this, and if I have this, I'll be really, really happy, and then you get all those things, and you realize that that hasn't produced joy in your life at all. Are, Are you there? Like, it's just a lie. You're not any more happy than you used to be. It's just a lie. And we often look at the guy that would make a wooden idol and say, wow, he's so dumb, but How many of us have been dumb? I'll raise my hand for all of you guys because we all have. You're like, okay, Pastor, you convinced me. I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to be dumb. I don't want to believe a lie. I don't want to keep giving in to this addiction. I don't want to keep sinning the way that I've been sinning. I don't want to do that. So you've convinced me. Now what am I supposed to do? Let's look at the Word of God because the Bible says, the Bible is true, by the way, and and, and it says truth sets us free. How many know that's in the Bible? Well, the Bible is true, and truth sets us free. So we're going to look at the Bible and let the Bible answer that question that we have. What are we going to do with this? Matthew 17 Verse 14, this is a verse of Scripture that we've looked at recently, and we're going to look at it again. When they came to the crowd, a man approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy upon my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Remember, Remember how we've been talking about this? There was this moment where the disciples tried. They tried to overcome this, and they just couldn't, right? just like you've tried to overcome sin in your life and this addiction in your life, but at this point, you just haven't yet. And you're just thinking, well, why can't I do this? And listen to Jesus' response. He said, you unbelieving and perverse generation, generation. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy, and he was healed at that moment. How many know that Jesus is the answer to our sin problem? He's the answer to our sin problem. Okay, but, but he says something in here that's really, I want you to catch it. He looked at him, and he said, you unbelieving and perverse generation. And he wasn't calling them perverts. He was saying, you are perverse, though. Perverse. Let me explain it to you. Uh, unbelieving means that you're you're not connected to God. You're not connected to God. Perverse means you're too connected to the world. You're too connected to the world. And it, it, let, let me let me say it like this. Then everybody, as I just kind of bring this to a close, so listen closely. That if you want to get past this sin addiction in your life or this this thing in your life that you keep doing that you don't want to do, could it be that you're too connected to the world and not connected enough to God? That you're too connected to the world, you're too too inclined to lean in the world's direction, most of your attention all day long is given to the world, and very little of your attention is given to the things of God. So you're not connected to God, but you're too connected to the world. You wouldn't believe how many people I've talked to, "Hey, I've been spending time in prayer. Have you been In fact, this this really happened. Um I I somebody asked me one time said, "Pastor, can you be an accountability partner to me?" I said, "Absolutely, but I'm going to hurt your feelings." Like, "Cause if you really want this, I will, but I'm going to be honest with you and you're going to get mad at me." "Pastor, I want it. I want to be closer to Jesus." Okay. Well, let's let's do this. So they came to me one time and Pastor, I just, I just don't have enough time to read my Bible. I said, you're lying. Now, I said it really nicely. I didn't just call him a liar. I sort of did, actually. Like, you're lying. Well, why? I just don't, I just don't have enough time to pray. I'm really trying. I just uh, No, no, no. I, I want you to pull out your phone. And on their iPhone, they had screen time. I said, show me your screen time. And I looked at how, much, how long they were on social media. That one day they were on social media for four hours. And they're telling me they don't have enough time to, to spend with Jesus. How many know that that's somebody? By the way, they're not here in the service. That's why I'm saying this. So I, would, I won't give your name anyway. But uh, how many know that they're too connected to the world and they're not connected enough to Christ? And they wonder how come I can't get this thing straight? Because you're too connected to the world and you're not connected enough to Christ. This is what I know. Personally, this is what I know. And for a lot of other people in this room, they know this too, that the more more time I spend with Jesus, the more time I spend in prayer, the more time I spend in worship, the more attention that I give him all day long, not just in parts of it, but all day long, the more time I study his word and ingest his word, and apply it to my life, the more those things in my life that I don't like just fall off. I I used to deal with things that I don't deal with anymore. And it's not like I just personally went after them and attacked them. No, I just spent more time with Jesus. And by spending more time with Jesus, they just naturally fell off. In fact, let me say it this way. They just supernaturally fell off. Because I was disconnecting from the world, and I was connecting with my Savior. And it made all the difference made all the difference. And could that be what you're going through concerning your sinful addiction, concerning the thing that you're enslaved to? There's something that we have to do. This is the last thing. Number three, write this down. Freedom is experienced. And this is total application here. Freedom is experienced when I take it to God, when I take it to others, and when I take it by faith. When I take it to God, when I take it to others, when I take it by faith. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share something with you that I've shared in, in the past. But it, it's just the truth. And I'm going to keep sharing it because it's true. That when we go to God, and, and in fact, in just a moment, we're, we're all going to stand up. We're going to close our eyes. And I'm going to have a moment. And I'm going to say, hey, there's some people in this room that just need to take this to God. Like you've been, you've been running away from God. You, you have this addiction in your life. You have the sin in your life and it is keeping you from God, and you just need to repent of it today. You need, you need to repent. It's that moment when, you, when you, you, you come to your senses, and the Bible says it this way, the King James Version says it this way. Came to his senses, and he said, woe to me, I am undone. Woe to me, I am undone. It's, it's where you're broken inside. It, something breaks inside It says, God, I realize that without you, I am nothing, that, that you are the most important thing in my life, and I need you and I want you more than I want anything else, the Father, forgive me. So you run to him in repentance. You take it to God. The Bible says if you confess your sins to God, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins, right? So we go to God for forgiveness. But we not only need to take it to God, we also need to take it to others. The Bible says we confess our sins one to another so that we can be, what's the word? Healed. So we go to God for forgiveness, but we go to others for healing. And you think, why? I thought we go to to God for healing. Well, that too. I mean, when you're forgiven of your your sins, that is a spiritual healing that takes place. No doubt about it. But we also have to confess our sins one to another so that we can be healed. And and what happens is, everybody, it's when you sit across from somebody that loves you, and you love them, and you trust them, and they trust you, and you know that they're going to hold things in confidence and you take off your mask and you say, this is who I really am. Do you still love me? And the other person says, I've never loved you more than I do right now. And I'm so grateful that you just took off your mask. Now I'm going to walk through this with you. And I'm going to hold you accountable. See, every, every Sunday morning, every Sunday morning, Without fault, there are people that I look that I look at in the eyes, and I ask a question without actually asking it. I'll look at them and wink. I'll, I'll sometimes do this, and they'll give me the thumbs up. Sometimes they'll say, "Call me," and you know what I'm doing. It's somebody that came to me, and they took off their mask, and they said, Pastor, I just need help. I just need accountability. And on a Sunday morning, I'll see them, and, and I'll hold them accountable. Even as I'm shaking hands with people, I'm holding somebody accountable. Hey, how you been doing? Oh, and sometimes you should see their face. Oh, I've been doing good. And sometimes it's, hey, we need to talk. And I'll say, that's okay. Call me. Call me. We'll talk. Why? Because healing Healing occurs when you sit across from somebody and you take off your mask and you expose what's been in darkness because things that are exposed in the light are no longer powerful. Let me say it like this. Secret sins are always powerful sins. But when a sin is exposed to somebody other than God, it loses its power because it's been exposed to the light. And then you'll be held accountable, and somebody will love you. Somebody will, somebody will look at your screen time and say, you're lying to me. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know it was that bad. I'm so, I'm so embarrassed. Like, that's what I'm here for, though, to embarrass you, apparently. No. No, that, what I'm here for, for that person, is to, is to say, hey, listen, I've been there. I've, I've done that. Why don't you just take, take a picture of your screen time? Just text it to me in the evenings. Let me see it. And we'll just do that for a little while until, until you break this habit in your life that you need to break. You're, you're, you're too connected to the world. And you need to be more connected. And you're using that as, a, as an excuse. Don't do that anymore. And can I tell you that they love me now more than ever because they know I'm fighting for them. Fighting for them. And they appreciate that. So we take it to God, we take it to others, and then we take it by faith. Now pull out these freedom declarations. We're not going to go through all of these right now, but I just printed this out for you. There are loads and loads of churches across the nation that use these freedom declarations. Totally stole this. Not ashamed, okay? Not embarrassed. Uh, This has been used by Church of the Highlands, by LifeChurch.tv, Craig Rochelle's church, by just hundreds and hundreds of other churches. And if, if, you, if you are taking this to God every day and you're disconnecting from the world in order to connect with God, one of the greatest things that you can do, and this is just, this is just application in your hand, that you can take this through and go to your secret place and read through it. And you go to your, your heavenly father, and I'm just pretending now, I'm just pretending to be you. Father, I humbly admit my, my own inability to manage my life I put no confidence in my own strength or abilities. I place all of my trust and my confidence in Jesus Christ to set me free from addictions. Now, what if you started out a prayer time with saying that? I mean, that's a powerful way to start praying, right? And you just go through this list. You just start praying through this list. Father, I know that you're the one that's going to have to heal me. I know that it's your deliverance at work within me. I don't have the power in myself to do this. So, Father, I'm calling upon you. Be a source of strength in my life. So that I could live for the glory of your name, so that I could be free from all of these things that have held me bound. I'm just sick of that. I've been far too connected to the world. And Father, I want to be more connected to you. You see how that works, new song? See how it works? And you just pray through it. Now that's just for yours, that's for you to take home. You can pray through it at home. That's just me trying to help you as best I can. So we take it to God. We take it to others, and then we take it by faith. Every day, just pray through that. And and then you'll start seeing some freedom in your life. And when you fall, you'll probably fall. You have a bad day. The Bible says, though a righteous man falls seven times, he gets back up. You've heard me say it before. We Christians are not the perfect people. We're not known as the perfect people, or we shouldn't be known as the perfect people. We are known as the getting back up people. And I fall. I still sin. I don't like it. I hate it. I hate it that I still sin. But when I sin, I just get back up. And I just keep moving forward. You receive the word of the Lord today? All right, let's stand up together. I'd like everybody just to bow your heads And and again, the first thing that we have to do is we have to take it to God. We have to take it to God. Then we take it to others as we take it by faith. And this is your moment to just to take it to God. This is just your moment. Take it to God. And in a few moments... These altars are going to be filled with people kneeling before the Lord. I don't even want you to stand. I just want you to come up here and kneel. Fall on your knees before the Lord and just say, in your own way, woe to me, I am undone. God, I need you like I've never needed you before. Forgive me. That's going to be your prayer. You're going to take it to God. You're you're, you're going to... This is what the Lord showed me for New Song, that at every service, at every service, every time we gather, that we need to have a a moment that allows for life change. That there has to be some type of moment in this service where people will respond to the voice of the Holy Spirit and that a change occurs in their life. I teach my staff this all the time. You can give me a crowd of a 1,000, but if nobody changes, it's of no avail. I'd rather have 10 people who are living changed lives than a 1,000 people who have never been changed by God. Because it's not about the crowd, it's about the change. It's not about the crowd, it's about the change. And today is going to be a day of change for many here in this room with nobody looking around, a very private moment. I I know there's some people in this room that you have a sinful addiction. You just have something that you say, I don't want to do. I hate the fact that I do it. I'm just tired of doing it. I don't want to do it anymore. I'm just relying upon God to help. I want you to raise your hand really, really high. Let me see who you are. Oh, lots of hands, lots of hands. Now listen, nobody looking around, nobody looking around. Just keep your hands down. But if you raised your hand, I want you to come down here right now. It's going to be humbling, I know. But I want you to make your way down here right now. And just just pray. Just kneel at the altar. Nobody knows why you're coming down. They don't know what you're going through. No reason to be embarrassed. In fact, when my dad was a pastor, he would give altar calls of this nature. and, And something inside was saying, Justin, you need to go. Justin, you need to go. Justin, you need to go. But I knew my dad was watching. And I was embarrassed by that. But I, I promise you this about my dad. When I responded to the Holy Spirit, he was never more proud of me than, I, than when I walked and I, I, I did business with God. He was never more proud of me. And today's one of those days. We're so proud of you for humbling yourself, coming forward. I'm so very, very proud of you. And just go ahead and start praying where you are. And for the rest of us here, I want to encourage all of us we take it to God. We're doing that right now. But you also need to take it to somebody else. You need to take off the mask in front of somebody. Have an accountability partner. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your brother. Maybe it's your parents. Maybe maybe it's one of the pastors here at New Song. You just need an accountability partner. To do that. And then we got to take it by faith. Let's pray. And then we're going to worship just a little bit longer. Just secure this moment. Heavenly Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus Christ in all humility, because we know who we are. We know what we've done. We know what we've thought. We, we know what we've said. We know, Lord. We know who we are. And others might be deceived. Others might think that we have it all together, but we know, I know, Lord, who I am. And I know I'm in need of you. I am broken, Lord. My heart is in turmoil because I keep doing things that I don't want to do. I want to live a life that that honors you and glorifies you, and I want to be free, but I'm stuck in this cycle. And, Lord, I'm exhausted by it. I'm tired of it. I am weary, and I'm coming to you. Lord, I repent. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me, Lord. Set me free from this sin. Empower me. Abide in me, I pray. Have your way in me as I surrender to you today. give you my life in repentance Holy Spirit I need you to help me live out the calling that the Lord has placed upon my life I need you I need you so come in fill me with every good and perfect thing that you have for my life and empower me to be the Christian that I've always wanted to be. I give you my life today. I give you my life, Lord. And I thank you for taking it. And I thank you for forgiving me, cleansing me from all unrighteousness. And thank you that there's nothing else between you and me, that I don't have to walk in guilt or in shame or in condemnation, that at this moment, this very moment, Father, you have placed me in right standing with you. And I want to say thank you for accepting me as I am For loving me even in my sin you still loved me and you'll always love me remind me of that Lord that nothing separates me from your love and I thank you for it
0: as a church it's our honor to play a small part in what God is doing through your life and we would love to continue on that journey Find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ. All you have to do is go to newsongplymouth.church/connect. Thank you to all of you who consistently give, serve, and pray. You are the ones that God is using to truly make a difference in our community as we live out our mission of leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope you tune in next week.